Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. This is Mike Lewis. I am joined by Doug Battle. This is the Fanalytics podcast brought to you by the Emory Marketing Analytics Center. Doug, I'm going to tell you straight out, I watched most of the Super Bowl last night. You watched half, I w- be honest. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I, I tuned in a little bit. Well, most is, you know, most is more than 50%. So I, I watched most of the <laughs> Super Bowl last night. And okay. I'm going to tell you, to me, and I, and I caught up with all the highlights this morning. I'm going I'm to tell you that, and again, you know, I may be projecting here. I feel like this is the final end to sports in 2020. We are on to a new era, whatever that era is. Lots of great stuff in the Super Bowl. Lots of great stories. Lots of kind of leads, lead-ins to next season. What were your thoughts? Um, out well, of first game? off, Mike, did Sorry. we not did we not both pick Tampa in last week's podcast? I think I was incredibly wishy-washy. I think you picked oh, Tampa. I think you started think, to pick them, and then you just decided to be my adversary and pick I Kansas think City. I managed to pick both teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were half right, yeah. um, as is the case when you pick both teams, usually. Um, yeah. I think I think we had a discussion where we had both agreed, and then you changed your mind last minute, so it's Kansas City. But yeah, um, I think we learned that offensive line play is way more important than people realize uh, in the NFL after watching Patrick Mahomes run for his life for several hours last night. Honestly, the most impressive plays of the game to me, I know Tampa Bay won the game, the most phenomenal plays were Patrick Mahomes uh, throwing the ball while completely parallel to the ground, throwing it 30 yards, like hitting a guy in the helmet, and the guy obviously dropped it. Um, He had a couple throws like that that were spectacular. It was one of those games where you felt like, man, if you switch quarterbacks, you know, Mahomes would be killing it and Brady would be getting sacked every play. But Brady always ends up in these positions where we do this and now he's on his second team doing that where it's starting to shut people up and and it's like we got to just be like all right let's you know he's he's the best there ever was the debate is over he is the yeah he is the football equivalent of michael jordan in the nba and babe ruth in mlb he is yeah wayne gretzky yeah wayne gretzky he is he's the guy they're gonna be talking about 50 years from now 75 years from now yeah, so that was obviously the storyline was, you know, was he going to pass the torch or, or was Mahomes going to claim the torch, uh, but but not so fast. Uh, Brady continues. He's also coming back uh, to the dismay of, <laughs> of pretty much every other sports fan other than the, the Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Yeah, I mean, a tremendous story. And I think the Super Bowl, as always, provides quite the bit of entertainment or, or content to be discussed outside of the football itself. Okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out here. I'm gonna say some I'm gonna go too far. I think Tom Brady just got into the the, the LeBron James territory in terms of when you're saying that he's a in, in terms of fandom. I think look I I think he's beyond LeBron James in terms of accomplishments. But I think he is now that kind of guy that Tom Brady fans, there are more Tom Brady fans than there are Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans. Yes. 
And I don't think it's even close. Yes. So I think he is now in that. I, I think he crossed the line into true legend territory. And I think this may be the first time that's actually ever happened in the NFL, where there is a guy who is now full on pop culture star that transcends. So when you said, you know, it's going to make everyone outside of Tampa or Buccaneers fans. I think he's got half the league rooting for him now. You know what? And what? can I let me let me add to that? Because remember, I'm an Illini guy, <laughs> and I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Yeah. And so a pretty boy Michigan quarterback playing for the Patriots, and I think he came in against the Steelers when Drew Bledsoe went down. Yeah. I I had a lot to overcome in terms of Tom mm-hmm. Brady. Yeah. But you know, got like twenty. It only took twenty years of excellence. I think it takes switching teams for us to realize that maybe those weren't all Patriots fans all along. They were Tom Brady fans. And now you're seeing all these Buccaneers fans, but they're not really Buccaneers fans. They're Tom Brady fans. So I think Tom is the first NFL player that I've seen have that LeBron James type effect where it's like if next year he were to go play for the Tennessee Titans uh, or for the Oakland Raiders, we would be seeing Tom Brady jerseys and those colors all over the place you know oddly the other guy that comes to mind when i think about nfl guys that have transcended being a member of team i I come back to peyton manning yeah but but in manning's case i think it's because he may be one of the top five pitch men (laughs) ad guys out there and so he you know he he had that impact in another you know avenue of popular culture the advertising side yeah and and he kind of had a very similar career to Brady and I mean, not the number of championships, but being with one franchise and having his brand uh, mm-hmm. synonymous with the Colts franchise for so long, just like Brady with the Pats and then late in his career winning a Super Bowl uh, for, <laughs> for the Denver Broncos. And now for looking back, it's like, does like, I always wonder for a guy like Peyton Manning uh, or even Tom Brady now, um, and he and Brady kind of danced around this last night, but it's like, does he really view himself as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? Like, does Peyton Manning, when he retires, feel like, yeah, I was a Denver Bronco? Um, <laughs> or is it just like, yeah, that was a, you know, a mercenary stop at the end of my career to try to get a ring? Well, you know, I, I guess one of the things we'll never know, right? I mean, there's so much, there's so much put out there about Belichick yeah. and Brady that, you know, what, what was that relationship actually like? Was oh, we'll, we'll get a 30 for 30 at some point. Yeah, I, I know, but but at the moment, right? Everyone's kind of being, everyone's being doing that, handling that in the right way. So right. we don't we don't know if these guys just sort of, uh, you know, if we were doing the podcast for twenty years, we could probably part friends, right? But you, you know what I mean? It, it, it's yeah. such a lengthy relationship that that who knows if it was if they had enough of each other or it was just kind of time. Yeah, um, maybe maybe Tom just felt like his Super Bowl odds were better in Tampa. Um, what not what? being in the same conference as the Chiefs, having that defense that they have, offensive line, that receiving core, uh, and, and the coaching staff. I mean, I think it's possible that he he just viewed it as as a business decision, and he had two options, and one of them was better, even though it wasn't the incumbent. Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you two observations. You know, because the other thing that seems to be being said a lot today the day after the Super Bowl, is that Tom Brady is also the best general manager. Uh, and that's really kind of pointed criticism of Bill Belichick. I, I don't think that's fair. I, you know, no. I, Or at least I don't think it's fair without fully digging into the salary cap side of the yeah. things, right? Well, I mean, in the, 
in the NFL, you can't sort of go season by season. You have to look at at almost arcs of teams in terms of what the you know what the dollars were available. Yeah, that that is uh, unfair. I mean, I think what the Patriots have done in the last two decades is phenomenal as far as attaining success under Bledsoe, um, but maintaining that level of, of success where, like we've talked about before. It's not like college where you have yeah. where success breeds success. In the NFL, it gets harder. You have less assets. You look at a team like the Chiefs now. They won a Super Bowl last year, um, and it looks like, okay, well, they're positioned to win the next 10. Well, they have to pay Mahomes, um, and then they get a later draft pick every year. And so now there's less cap space. Uh, the assets aren't as valuable moving forward as they were when they were building this team, and it gets tougher. And, and when the Patriots were in that situation, they found diamond in the rough after diamond in the rough at uh, really key positions for for a number of years that led to their prolonged success. So I, I do think we need to uh, <laughs> pump the brakes on on giving Brady all the credit for for what was quite the team yeah. effort uh, for su- sustained success in New England. But that being said, yeah. You know, I, I I missed the story that um uh that the who was the MVP of the NFL this year? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. And, and I mean, I, I'm looking at that after the Super Bowl, kind of going, no, Tom Brady is the 2020 yeah. 2021 season MVP because, and this does actually get into a little bit of analytics here in a second. You know this. So Patrick Mahomes has a better passer rating than mm-hmm. Tom Brady. I think we talked about that last week. It was like, I want to say it was about 108 to 102. Yeah, in reality, Tom Brady is the story. He is the MVP of the league. And this brings up some issues related to analytics, right? So I think last week I looked up some numbers and Mahomes had a better passer rating than, uh, than Brady. But Brady has this intangible... Mm-hmm. And it's not even just intangible now. It, it's almost like Tom Brady also has this brand, whether you want to call it leadership or the brand. But Tom Brady, on top of everything else, was able to attract, you know, he seems to be getting all the credit in the world for having Gronkowski come out of retirement, for having Antonio Brown behave himself, and for, you know, attracting, uh, you know, a pretty good running back that got waved by, mm-hmm. who was he waved by? Jackson Jaguars, yeah, which was... I mean, the guy was in the same draft class as Nick Chubb. He's not, he's not yeah. a very old running back. That's a, a running back in his prime. That was our early draft pick a couple of years ago. But so, how do you, you know, how do you quantify that? I mean, how do you quantify the, the the fact that Tom Brady has, look, and, and there's some other stuff in here, right? That we're never going to know. You know, what is his impact on that culture? How does he change an organization from being something where you know, going back, I want, remember when remember when you first started with me, it was March or April of 2020, and the only sports story was the Last Dance documentary. Yep, yep. And Michael Jordan came to the Chicago Bulls, and it went from uh, a team that was going on the road, getting drunk, maybe doing cocaine, cocaine <laughs> and strippers, and, <laughs> and strippers, yeah. To an organization that was devoted to winning, and it seems like Tom Brady brings talent, gets the organization to de- devoted to winning, and is able to attract people. And it's like, you know, an amazing package. Yeah, you look at that parallel, and I think Gronkowski's got to be Dennis Rodman. 
um, as much as we might want to make him okay. pip in. Like he's the guy. I remember when I'm a Giants fan. I remember when the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 2007, and there was video that night of Robert Gronkowski partying like an absolute animal after his team lost a heartbreaker in the Super Bowl. Um, it looked like he had won the Super Bowl. And I think he's one of those guys where it's like maybe if he weren't with Tom his whole career, he might have more of an Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham type reputation. But he's on winning teams and it's like he has his fun and does all his craziness outside of football. But uh, Tom is able to rein him in and get him to focus and perform at a high level and, and be a huge factor in a game like last night where he probably had an argument for MVP as a tight end with two touchdowns. You know, it's before your time, but it reminds me of the Oakland Raiders of the nineteen of the nineteen seventies, the Al Davis just mm-hmm. win baby, but coming at it from a whole different direction, right? So, Al Davis's thing was, you know, bring in any kind of talent, you know, and it's almost like sort of the bring in the outlaws, let them loose, right? We we care for about talent, we care about winning, but it looks like Brady is, you know, got this kind of pull and this credibility. And man, that's that's a heck of a word, right? Credibility, mm-hmm. where people are not going to screw around. Mm-hmm. And look, even, you know, th- this kind of comes back to this whole notion of truly the. And I, and I don't really, really like the term "goat," but uh, you know, this notion of for some of these guys playing, does it actually that the fact that I played with Tom Brady now reach the same level as I went to a Super Bowl? You know, you imagine some guys that played yeah. for the Chicago basketball team in the nineties of. I played for Michael Jordan, yeah. and I got these rings. Yeah. Well, I, I did notice last night um, in my, I'm not going to say circle, but having gone to Georgia and having been around some of these Georgia players, um, I noticed last night Sony Michelle posted a picture, an old picture of him and Tom Brady when they had won the Super Bowl together and was saying, you know, he was pulling for Tom and, and was clearly kind of, of that mindset that like wow i got to win a super bowl with tom brady how cool is that here's a picture of us together like he's almost a fan even though this is a starting nfl running back and mccall hardman after the game i noticed when tom was talking to mahomes or talking to whoever coach Andy reed um that mccall came over and shook his hand and you know told him good game but it's almost like he had been waiting all game to get to shake Tom Brady's hand, even though they lost to him. Um, I, I noticed that as well. And so he definitely has that mystique that uh, that Michael Jordan had. And I also think, just like as a fan, if I'm pulling for a team and Tom Brady's my quarterback and you're going into the Super Bowl, even though he's not as talented at this point, or really ever was as talented as Patrick Mahomes is, there's no question as to whether he's going to be up for it whether he's going to perform at a high level, you know, whether he's going to uh, pee his pants in front of a big crowd or, or get nervous or blow the game at the end. Um, that's never been, even in his losing efforts, that's never been uh, anywhere close to <laughs> an attribute that Tom Brady has. It's just not in his wheelhouse. And so when you're watching Tom Brady and even looking at this game when we were making predictions, it was like, yeah, Mahomes is better and the Chiefs are better but it's Tom Brady. Like, he doesn't lose. Yeah, I know. So, Doug, that, that's the game. And, you know, other folks are going to cover the, the details of the event ad nauseum. So, you know, we're sort of a dual-purpose show here in terms of talking about both sports right. and the cultural side of the event as well. So any, uh, any thoughts on 
the show. Yes. So uh, I, I've, I've definitely got some really strong thoughts on <laughs> the, the package that was put together. Right. Well, <laughs> let me start by saying uh, favorite, favorite ads. And these are very subjective, I've learned. I've spoken with a few people after the game, and I thought we would all be in agreement that, oh, this one was hilarious and this one was stupid. And I've learned that that's not the case. Like some people like the ones that I think are ridiculous, um, and some people hate the ones that I love. But I loved the Doritos Matthew McConaughey 3D chip commercial. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. And I thought I think using Matthew, like he, he, you're so used to seeing him in commercials, and he's always doing this whimsical abstract speaking about absolutely nothing as if it's the most significant thing in the world. So right out. You mean that he's the coolest man in the world. Yes. He happens to drive a a Lincoln, I think. Is it Lincoln (laughs) or Ford? Lincoln, Lincoln. Uh, But we're so used to seeing that. So like right out the gate, you see him and you're like, wait a second, this isn't his thing. Like this, this is different. And so it catches your attention. And I, I really, really enjoyed that one. I enjoyed, um, Will Ferrell as I often do in his um, General Motors commercial, although I will say at the end of the commercial, I was like, who was that commercial for? Like, I, I wasn't stuck in my head, the brand, but I did think it was very funny. Um, and the the last one that was just interesting to me, I wouldn't say it was a good commercial, but it was an interesting strategy, was Mountain Dew. Um, they had that Twitter game Uh-oh. that they kind of played where... They had the a com- pink Mountain Dew. Yeah, where they had uh, they had John Cena, and it was a kind of bizarre commercial. But at the end, they tell you, "Oh, if you can count the number of Mountain Dew bottles or guess the number of Mountain Dew bottles and tweet us, um, and you're the first one to do it, you'll make a million dollars." Well, people are on their phones during the rest of the commercials that time out and are on Twitter and are re-watching that commercial over and over again, trying to count the number of bottles. And so I was like, wow, that was a really clever way to uh, to get us engaged with your brand and, and give us some incentive. Um, and a million dollars, given how much these commercials cost, probably is really not much of a hit for them. But um, at the same time, having rewatched that commercial a couple times, it would have been better if it was a commercial you wanted to rewatch. Uh, it wasn't... <laughs> it wasn't... It was just a bizarre commercial, as is often the case in the Super Bowl. Well, let me, uh, and look, I agree with you, and I think it's definitely something that has become more and more subjective over time in terms of, you know, and it is just this notion of, you know, people are trying to make a splash with Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl. There's frequent use of celebrities, you know, Matthew McConaughey, for example, as as you mentioned. I find myself looking at it kind of going, They've now kind of created something where there is literally no way to really sort of separate yourself from the crowd. <laughs> you know, actually maybe having, you know, 20,000, you know, asking people to pop, to count 20,000 Mountain Dew pink bottles that, you know, maybe that's, that's something. But I, I found myself thinking, it's like, well, what could actually anyone do right. that would say, hey, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't, and I don't know what the answer is. It's like. And I was, th- I found myself thinking, okay, so if I get the top, if I get BTS, the right. top K-pop band in the, in the world. Which I'm kind of shocked they were not involved in yeah. a Super Bowl well, commercial. Well, let's say I get them. So I got, yeah. I got celebrity and then, you know, because you got to be sort of different, then I'll get like Clint Eastwood. 
Right. 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 And maybe I'll find like uh, eh, Stallone and Schwarzenegger, and I'll have these guys in a Star Wars themed, uh, I don't know, lightsaber fight. Yeah. And, and, and as I'm sort of just trying to figure out the most outlandish thing, I'm thinking, yeah, but you know what? That, that wouldn't pop out. That would have been like, like just the rest par of them. For, that's just par for the course. Yeah. Weirdly point. enough, I think the ones that stick out the most are the ones that are like just flat out strange. And I don't think that's necessarily what oh. you want as a brand. But I got one. I got oat, one that oat stuck oat out. Milk. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, C- the CEO of Oatly Milk banging on a keyboard in a field. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I know, I guess they're just trying to get us to talk about them, which like, congrats. Uh, now we know who you are, I guess. But um, I don't know if that's what you want, but it is one way you can stand apart is in this this series of like cinematic, overly done commercials is to have like a kind of minimalist, but really bizarre and weird and t- attention grabber that has everyone feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Okay. And so, you know, how does advertising work? There's, you know, advertising can do different things. Awareness is part of it. We now all know one brand of oat. I was going to say oat flavored milk, but I guess it's milk made out of oats. Mm-hmm. We all know the Oatly brand. Okay. So <laughs> I guess they achieved awareness. Yeah. Um, does anyone like Oatly, the Oatly brand after that? Uh, Is there a positive yeah. reaction? Uh, you know, Wasn't my reaction. Yeah. I'm not seeing it. Yeah. And is this, uh, and, and I mean, beyond that, how many people in this world and watching the Super Bowl? Are interested in drinking oat-based milk, Doug? Um, I, the non-dairy crowd, or the pita crowd, or well, <laughs> look, I, I don't know. At this point, I, I know we've got what well, we got: almond milk, we got cashew milk. Yeah, we, we got, got Fair Life too, which is like actually tastes good. Um, so. Yeah, yeah I, there's a lot of so, alternatives already there. So, so I mean, and this has always been the kind of the issue with a lot of these kind of high-end artsy ads of, do they actually sell the product? I mean, like like I said, Oatly may have accomplished their mission. They're on these lists. They're probably getting wild, widely panned right. today. It's probably one of the worst ads, but they're getting that free organic coverage. Which I got to ask Mike, um, yeah. while we're on the subject of them like being on all these lists, do you personally think that brands strive for that? Brands like Oatly or whatever they are set out and say, all right, we're going to make I, the worst Super Bowl ad of 2021 and we're going to be on every list for it yeah. and people are going to talk about it. Do you think that's a thing? Like, Do you think that's calculated I, or do you think they, they went into it thinking this is going to be a hit, people are going to love it, and they got on Twitter during the game and were shocked that people I, thought it was ridiculous? I don't think they use the words that you would use, okay. but I think that's exactly what's going on, uh-huh. right? And you can imagine the ad guys going out there and say, you know, "Look, we're we're gonna go, we're gonna stick out by going the opposite direction. We're gonna go minimalist, yeah, right. We're we're gonna sort of like uh, one shot. We're gonna be a <laughs> we're gonna be appealing because we're rejecting these big Hollywood production values, and we're kind of honestly telling people about the product. You know, silly." silly kind of stuff but then but, doing a song and just being weird <laughs> yeah and and maybe the oatly guy wrote oh i mean that that's the thing we'll never know you know yeah. my hope is that the oatly guy is an egomaniac <laughs> and he, that's what he told the advertising agency yeah. he wanted to do yeah that's my best case to see that um yeah. yeah i was just wondering because there's it feels like every year like for my end looking at it it's like if you got some of the best creative minds in all of advertising and had them gave them millions of dollars of budget and let them come out with things, you would think it would be like an SNL 
all-time greatest hits type yeah. feel for the Super Bowl. And instead, it's like 90% duds. And then there's a couple where you're like, oh, <laughs> and then there's like one or two where you like legitimately laugh out of your belly. And so um, some of these brands, like it seems like they swing and miss every year. There's certain ones where I just always feel like, well, that was a dud, but they do it every year. So I'm like, are they getting analytics that yeah. show them that, oh, this is actually raising awareness or driving interest um, or, or even driving sales um, or are they just saying, you know what, we're going to just try it again and again and again. You know, there's, there's all sorts of metrics related to advertising. Yeah. You know, the, there, there can be standard market research where they they will go out and, you know, they'll talk to consumers and yeah. So let's say awareness goes up after Butterfinger runs a strange ad of a, who is it? The alien that crashed the, the the old i mean you know sometimes the stuff just doesn't seem to work right but, right or mr peanut dies yeah, and baby you know peanut. maybe you you do the survey and you see this increased awareness right or that you know you're maybe you're measuring it based on you know clicks or you know social media metrics the actual conversion to sales from mass media advertising is something that you know it, it's an intractable it, it's essentially it's an impossible problem there's a famous quote i think it was from american express back in the day that uh -huh. the the claim is that well i know i'm wasting half my advertising dollars i just don't know which half <laughs> right so this has always been kind of the magical side of marketing where you get some measures you get some numbers but the actual conversion in terms of hey we ran this super bowl ad and we sold a lot more uh you know 3d doritos right uh, that that's a tough one now i will say that with some of these products you know like I, I think i didn't see it but i think indeed the job search site yeah um yeah had an ad you know for an online product you were probably much closer to being able to measure that right, right? so you can see how many people click how many people sign up search so click, it, yeah. it varies right um you know? yeah i just i just would imagine it being quite the challenge uh particularly for something like even a a movie like i saw a couple uh, movie ads last night oh that that yes. brings me to uh, fast and furious nine you want to talk about that for <laughs> <laughs> uh, can i say one thing before we do if, if that's where you want to go next I, we can talk about fast and furious nine for a, at least a month now i think from when they said it was coming out so don't worry <laughs> so i always find it incredibly lazy how the network so CBS last night has a designated amount of ad slots apparently yeah. that are worth millions of dollars and they run their typical ads. Like they, it I, didn't seem like... I didn't like, know... I'm, I'm going to interrupt you here, Doug, for a second. I didn't know Queen Latifah was still actively act, <laughs> acting, but I did after last night. Well, that's true. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> I mean it's not that it's 100% uh, ineffective, but you would think when you have an ad space that's that valuable that you would invest a little more and do something special and do like another Super Bowl ad type advertisement rather yeah. than like your traditional cable television ad, which is what we saw about, I don't know how many times last night, but but a number of CBS ads that were just kind of your typical ad. It's just interesting to me that they don't, that they don't say, oh, we've got this space. Why don't we do something different than our normal thing and make like a Super Bowl version? I'll say I, I honestly don't know on that question. Yeah. Um, advertising, you know, selling advertising is a, it's an interesting business on a theoretical level, right? Because you, 
it's actually similar in some ways to potentially to selling like uh, seats on an airplane, right? Because right. once that event has gone, that inventory doesn't have any value. Right. And, and so I, I can imagine a couple of scenarios, you know, maybe one, it's just sort of part of the Super Bowl package. It's built in, you know, the, whatever the network is always runs the same number of fixed ads for themselves. Alternatively, maybe that's something they kind of hold back and they put that price out there of, what was it? $5.5 million. And then they try and stick to it. Yeah. Right. And they don't want to get into a lot of, let's say, discounting because that's going to create problems with some of the other, with some of the other brands. So then they they would just keep the spaces that don't sell for their, their number. For this epic quest of, um, Beavis and Butthead and some guys from Star Trek climbing a mountain. Yeah, epic might be an overstatement. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and not to call those guys out, but it was that that one was definitely. And, and I want to come back to the question. You said you know you liked a couple of the ads. I want to hear what some of the other twenty somethings that you're watching the game with what what ads they like. But yeah, that one, the the Paramount. You understand where this is all going, right? In terms of entertainment, everything seems to be switching to uh, to streaming services. <laughs> right. That that's that's the future. But that one was that one was tough, right? I mean, and what what a strange collection it was. You know, so one of the things that they did there was, I think they were trying to say, hey, we got something for everyone. We got we got professional golf. I guess CBS has the big PGA contract, perhaps. Right. Um, we've got Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. We've got Star Trek. And some other people, but I came away thinking, well, that's not enough for me to subscribe to this at all. No, yeah, I, I watched the same exact thing. And first off, it would be one thing if their quest had, if you were waiting for the next chapter of it, if you were saying, oh, I wonder what's going to happen <laughs> next. But every time it came on, it was like, ah, oh, here we go again with this. Um, and, and so there wasn't, it's like as an entertainment product, uh, maybe they could have sold us on their entertainment package by giving us a glimpse of how entertaining it could be in a Super Bowl commercial. Um, I, I was not entertained by those ads, and I, I did notice how many ads they took out and was doing the math in my head. Wow, they really invested and, and went all in on this. Um, I thought the one thing that hit with probably my generation was the SpongeBob Super Bowl halftime show oh, that yeah, they did. Yeah. People, <laughs> people have been like begging for like It's like a meme. Uh, during the halftime show to get SpongeBob on. And so I, I saw that and was like, that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, look, the random assortment, it just kind of showcased. And I think you could probably make any streaming service, maybe except Disney, feel like that, where it's just like, it's all over the place. And like, I don't know if I want to pay monthly because there's only maybe one thing that I might half enjoy out of that whole package. Um, I know Netflix can feel that way sometimes, but yeah, to me, it was like, they kind of sold me on not wanting it. I was like, well, yeah, I don't really want to see that weird group of, uh, you know, eclectic characters in one well, place ever again. You know, it's an interesting thing. If you think about the consumer deciding to purchase a streaming package, right? It, I suspect, and you know, again, this is a, this is a professor. Some speculating. You tell me if I'm, you tell me if I'm wrong here that, I think for the most part, it's like there's got to be something that gets the consumer over the hump, especially as this space gets more and more crowded. Yes. Right? When it was just Netflix, it was like, well, you got to have Netflix. That's that's the thing. Yeah. But now with Disney, the Peacock, uh, 
you know, there's Hulu, a million. et cetera. Yeah. That there's got to be something that gets you to say, you know what, this is the one. And I'll tell you, in my household, it's interesting, right? So Disney, you know, I've got a kid that really likes to watch the Star Wars stuff, right. the Clone Wars, yeah. Um, yeah. Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I can imagine it with Disney, a lot of it is that Marvel or Star Wars is the thing that gets you over that. Oh, yeah. And I think WandaVision, which I haven't watched, but I see it on Twitter all, every Friday. People are freaking out about the new episode, just like we did with the Mandalorian. And so they've got those huge fandoms in Marvel and yeah. Star Wars, not to mention the Disney princess fandom and, and all the other Disney fandoms um, that are, that are pretty spectacular, but they they've got those two nerd fandoms. Um, and I, yeah. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, I am a huge star Wars fan, but um, it's just a, the simplest way of putting it that drives like for me, as long as there's new star Wars content or old star Wars content that I want to watch on a, at any given time, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to subscribe to, uh, to, to Disney now with Paramount looking at it first off with like all the different characters in one ad because Disney when they do an ad oftentimes they'll they'll really focus on we've got Star Wars you know the Mandalorian new season coming out soon or we've got Marvel um, and sometimes they'll say we've got Star Wars and Marvel and Moana and all this stuff but for some reason with the Paramount thing it almost to me feels like if you only like one, like let's say I'm a, I'm a PGA fan um, and I see that, I might still feel like it's not for me because I don't like all of those things. When they're, when they're trying to sell you on like, maybe you'll like this and this and this and this and this, I feel like there's probably a, a certain sector of consumers that feel like that's only going to be worth it if I want all of those things. It's, I'm like that when I go to music festivals. Like some people will say, yeah, you get your money's worth because you pay 200 bucks but you're going to see 50 concerts. And then I look at the list. I'm like, well, there's only two bands I would actually like on the, out of those concerts. And so like that package to me might not be, or let's say instead of 200 bucks, it's two, it's 500 bucks or, or 700 bucks or whatever. I'm like, I don't want to go to those 20 concerts. I just want to see those two bands um, and I'll just go see them on their next tour. And, and I feel like that's how a lot of consumers might see something like Paramount where it's like, I don't know very many people that are fans of all of those things. And I think what you're getting, you know, they're selling bundles. Yeah. Right? And, and the, the idea is, hey, look at everything in this bundle for $4.99. But there is this, you know, this is where consumers get funny and marketers struggle with it. You're also telling people and when you start to bundle things, they can look at it like, oh, it's not that I get these 20 things for this low price. It's that well, I only want to see golf or I only want to see old Beavis and Butthead <laughs> reruns and you're making me pay for the other stuff a bunch too. more for the other stuff that yeah. I don't care about. Which and and especially with streaming, uh streaming kind of rose to power uh, because of cable television's bundles and the fact that I don't yeah. want a thousand channels, I just want to watch sports and the news or I just want to watch sports and Star Wars or or whatever it may be. And so now everyone has their own uh, streaming service so the sports people but now they're saying okay but within our streaming service we're gonna we're gonna bundle this one sport that you may or may not like and this one show that you may or may not like and and this one sitcom that you may or may not like and these bunch of movies that you may or may not like and it, it becomes a lot like cable all of a sudden yeah no i think you're right it it, it has that feel that that's the path we're going i mean i, I can 
you know, think back to days where it's like I'm watching literally like six, like I got a rotation. There's about six, ro- there's about six channels on my cable rotation. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm flipping around from this to this to the other thing. Right. And now it feels like with the way streaming is going, that basically I'm now going to have to subscribe to six streaming services You're for have to each go of those to a whole different individual things <laughs> yeah. I want. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to go to a whole different <laughs> application, and then within that application, it's not going to be just what you want. It's going to be a bunch of stuff you don't want, and which kind of takes you back to like. And then you feel and, like, just like yeah. with cable, I'm paying for a thousand channels when I only use six. Right. With the innovation being now that I have to remember six passwords. It gets tricky, okay. but that one to me was a dud, the the Paramount. Okay. Now, I'm also going to come out and say this, and you don't have to follow me on this uh, on this plank, as it were. Oh, boy. I, I, I almost know what I, you're going to say. Well, you know, I, I found myself really kind of struggling to watch. I watched a lot of the pregame, too. Yeah. And the halftime show, and it was a little bit of a struggle. And I'm going to sort of, you know, if I was more well-read and more literary, I would say it's almost like a tale of, of two sit, two cities or a tale of two, I don't know. The, the word I kept thinking about last night was inspiration. And so on one side, I've got Tom Brady at age 50, 43, mm-hmm. um, having a, an amazing performance. The, the game is, is interesting because of you know, the, the storylines might not be a great game in terms of the competition but it was a great performance mm-hmm. so the game is absolutely inspirational it has tons of moments of a, a vertical or i guess a horizontal patrick mahomes antonio brown kowski it, it's yeah. got a lot going on a lot of inspiration and then on the other side i've got the announcers and the people doing the super bowl who are telling me over and over again about all the different things i'm supposed to be inspired by and I found myself thinking, you know what? In in some ways, the Super Bowl became this unique event of culture built around a sporting event. And I think in some ways, they may have jumped the shark in yeah. terms of the excess and like the forced excitement of, hey, you should be inspired by this. You should be inspired by that. It's like, I want to watch the game because that's the best performance. The rest of this is... Uh, I don't even have a word for it. Well, it feels inauthentic um, for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and rightfully so many times. I think from, from an advertising or marketing standpoint, though, um, I think that can backfire. Like, I, I think it's interesting. We talked last week about people might approach the Super Bowl differently this year with ads um, and being a little bit careful with the pandemic and, and with the political... Yeah. Um, nature and, and I know that the message of like reuniting right now seems universal right now. But, You're talking about the Springsteen ad, um, the Jeep ad. Yeah, I remember in that one, and even before before the Super Bowl and some of the pregame. And this isn't an individual or I guess a personal critique as much as it is just looking at it and, and thinking about it from a marketing standpoint and realizing there's a lot of people. That and I've seen prior to the Super Bowl, people kind of being like, "Oh, now you want to 
Now you want to unite. Now you want to all get together and join hands. Now you want to all agree on everything. Uh, there's there's a very angry or upset or yeah. um, misunderstood feeling uh, sector of our population right now. And so I feel like when you associate your brand with something that has been a topic of recent discussion um, as to whether you know we're reuniting because one side got their way or because everybody wants to reunite, and it, it can be a little bit divisive uh, regardless of what side you're on i feel like if you're that brand you either have to make a stand and say we're okay with being divisive we don't want those customers um, and we're okay with with alienating them or you have to say you know what we want to be agreeable to everyone and we know that this this might ruffle a few feathers and so we are going to stay away and we're going to stick with something light uh, but I think we saw a lot of, even with the NFL promoting itself, a lot of kind of patting itself on the back for all the things that it's done. And there was criticisms of that in the, in the more woke crowd for all the things it hasn't done. And so there's always, that that's just such a tricky subject to navigate. And, and it's like someone's always going to end up offended on either side. And I think, uh, I think we saw some of that yeah. last night. I think you had the right word. That's inauthentic. Yeah. You know, there, there's always been this old adage in marketing of, well, frankly, you never want your marketing to show, right? You you don't want mm-hmm. to you don't want to be obvious about your you know, depending on what the message is you're putting out there, sometimes you don't want to be obvious about, you know, why you're doing it. You know, if you're doing something cool, you want to be cool, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean when I say don't let your marketing show, I'm not talking about, you know, the advertising. I'm talking about things like, look, this is a the Super Bowl is an advertisement for the NFL. The mm-hmm. halftime show is an advertisement for the weekend. It's like mm-hmm. so these performances cannot feel like they are they are marketing. And in the case of the the production that was put around it, it, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like it was really kind of structured via a focus group and, and put right. out there. Now right. I'm, I mentioned the the Jeep ad with Springsteen. Springsteen is, and I'll be honest, I don't remember the specifics of that one i okay. i do know that i've i've seen articles and i i remember it being one of those more reunite the country type themes but i don't re- it, necessarily remember it wasn't the most memorable ad to me i guess well you know what in the, i mean that's kind of a good point too part of what i don't like about watching the super bowl as a marketing professor is it almost feels like people want me to take notes yeah right <laughs> that, that i'm supposed to you know remember all the ads and right. i can't run to the kitchen or anything the, the Springsteen ad was talking about the cent- the center of the lower 48 states and that there's some church basically on that space in the middle of Kansas. Yeah. And so the idea is, you know, we come back to the center. Right, right. But the problem is, and this is where I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on. So Jeep is, I, I would guess Jeep kind of skews a little bit younger in terms of who they're targeting. Mm-hmm. In terms of consumers, but the Jeep Grand Car- Cherokee is probably also a little bit older, a little bit more suburban. But their choice of Springsteen was an interesting one to me because Springsteen is kind of this classic American act, right? The guy's probably in his early 60s, mm-hmm. born in the USA, kind of attracting that baby boomer crowd. Mm-hmm. But Springsteen is also very outspoken and very much on the liberal and progressive side. And so that struck me as one of these ads that is potentially causing, you know, going to cause a problem in this heightened political situation. So that one 
you know that that one uh, was one that definitely sort of popped off the page. I will say popped this, off the screen for me. I got a text from a friend after that one, and I think I don't know what if it was one of those times when I had gotten up to get a snack or go to the bathroom or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of missed it, and I got a text from a friend, and it said, um, "I got a text from one friend, and it said we need to allow Jeep to run our government." Um, and I was like, I was like, wow, they must've said something and knowing this friend, I was like, they probably said something that was agreeable to that friend. And then I got on Twitter. Oh, was and, that sarcasm or no? No, it was, it was serious. From, oh, okay. uh, it was, it was, you know, a friend of mine that, okay. that li- aligns with what Jeep was saying. And then I went on Twitter and there were people, you know, that were boycotting Jeep and that are never going to, that are going to sell their Jeep or never going to drive a Jeep again or smashing their Jeep or what, you know, people that were, that were upset about it apparently. And I was like, oh wow, this was not a, <laughs> this wasn't agreeable to everyone. This was just agreeable yeah. to my one friend. Um, and, and so it's like, yeah, from a brand standpoint, like, do I, if it's my brand, do I want to do that? Like probably not. But I mean, of, of course they're free to do what they want. It's just like, I wonder how how calculated that is and if they realize that that it's potentially damaging to to a certain um sector of the population in the united states okay can i ask you tampa bay <laughs> what do you think city of champions champa bay i think i saw this champa morning title town you called them title town we did an episode uh early in the season when, or I guess when they had acquired Tom Brady and we were talking about title town USA because the lightning was playing in the NHL in the Stanley cup and the, the lightning won, right? Yeah, they won the Rays. Diamondbacks lost. Yeah. Diamond, or, sorry. Rays. <laughs> different <laughs> place. Um, the Rays. Yeah. yeah. We're in it. And then we were like, wow, maybe they'll sweep. Maybe this year they'll get the Rays. the, the and, and then the, I was almost going to say Patriots, uh, the uh, Buccaneers as well, who, by the way, I don't know if you saw, but their their mascot slash team name is now problematic, according to one Washington Post writer, PhD. Yeah. Um, we don't have to get into all that. I just was just adding that in there, we can, sprinkling. We can because, look, and, and let you know what? Let, let's, let's get into that a little bit because... <laughs> And, and the reason I want to get into that is I want to not bash the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't even want to bash um, people that are upset about team names in general. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is bash academia. <laughs> and Your that field. just strikes <laughs> yes, my industry. field, my, my people, my tribe. Yes. Because that just strikes me as something you see a lot in the academic circles of it's like an academic. Uh, an intellectual exercise where you find something and then you back up until you find a problem. You find something that and, people and, like, usually. Yeah, you find something that people like and then you'd say why it's rooted in some form of evil. And, and the reason why I've got a problem with it is if you are not completely ignorant of human history, <laughs> no matter where you start, if you start working backwards, you're going to find something dark. Um, and so, you know, the, the list of team names that are not, and what was the word you used? Problematic. Problematic. That's my favorite word. It's my favorite word. Yeah. Cause it, cause it gets thrown around about everything. You know, I think we've, we've discussed this some and and you, you just start going down the NFL and it's like, well, you know, the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, the steel industry was really a a major polluter of, of (laughs) of the Midwest. Um, the Bengals is. You know, th- this is an animal that 
you know, should not be used as a symbol for human activity. It should be appreciated on their own. The New England, the Patriots. Patriots. Well, that's the that's I mean, the next one. That's the next one. We just well, yeah. The Patriots. How about the Chiefs? You know, I mean, they're they're almost. You know, you find yourself something where maybe the only decent or unproblematic is. Can I say unproblematic? Uh, sure. We'll make that okay. Work. The only unproblematic. Let's just keep adding syllables. Is the Washington football team. Yes. And guess what? That one's wrong too because it's named after one of the founding fathers, one of the Patriots, who was a owner of, of slaves and all the rest. Yes. So, um, yeah, it it's it is interesting that it, it's everything's becoming more and more problematic the more we look at things, and we're going to end up with no things or no names for things. We're going to just have a bunch of unnamed things no, that we pull for. It'll be. Maybe we can go to like the MLS thing or what they do in European soccer. Yeah. It'll just be football club playing but United at what each point, weekend in what, every At what city. point does football become uh, problematic? Because think of uh, Junior Seau and the people that have struggled with CTE yeah. because of football. Like football. And there's been racism in football with hiring practices and sexism with hiring practices and, and all the rest, you know, you can just go on down the list with just about anything. Like you said, you can trace anything back to something bad. And that does seem to be the practice here. So I do, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens this off season with the NFL. I do think like a team like the chiefs, uh, I, I still feel like the Patriots, especially with what happened at the Capitol um, a month ago, in the terms that that people were using then, I think the name the Patriots is going to become increasingly "quote unquote" problematic to uh, well, to people, and it'll be interesting to see how these franchises, because a franchise like the Patriots, much like the Washington R words, uh, lots of Super Bowls, lots of history, lots of value in that brand. Well, look, I mean, but it, it's it's literally every team, right? I mean, I'm getting ready for, and this should be published in a week or two for a ranking of NFL fan bases and top uh-huh. NFL brands. And at the top of that list, we're going to have, well, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to reveal the order, but the Patriots are going to be in that top of that list. The Steelers, these, these polluters are going to be at the top of the list. <laughs> the Green Bay Packers, that's probably a, a reference to the meat packing industry, which is notoriously inhumane and, and right. negative and, Bad for people's cholesterol is going to be on that list. <laughs> the right. Cowboys, I'm sure if you know you can track the Buccaneers and the Pirates back to whatever issue she found, that you can do something well, similar I mean, with the Cowboys. Cowboys right? versus Indians. So, that's pretty Cowboys. So yeah. it's it, it's never ending. Now I, yeah. I will say this, and this is gonna sound overly, overly dramatic. And you know, from where you're sitting, you may not be thinking about this kind of issue as much as I am as kind of the you know, the professor in his mid fifties, but look, I, I think we are at a kind of a cultural crisis in terms of almost everything breaking down. Yeah. And, and so it, it's a good question to me where this stuff is going to go, because there's always a next problem yeah. when we get to team names. So let's get rid of the chiefs. Let's get to Patriots. Then we got to go after the Cowboys. It, it literally doesn't end yeah. until we just have, I don't know, Red Sox versus White Sox versus Cleveland Browns. I mean, I think that was the guy's last so name. So maybe colors. Uh, maybe that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. There's a lot of colors. Uh, numbers, maybe. Um, 
Uh, Do you know that there's a there's a sort of a controversy out there that's been sort of around for a long time now in terms of when they changed the um, the electoral map from blue. I, I think it used to be that some networks had the Republicans as blue, some had them as red. I, and then I wasn't aware of that. About twenty or thirty years ago, I think they fixed it as that the Republicans were always red mm-hmm. and the Democrats were always blue. Now. You know, it was always the red menace. Russia was red. So mm-hmm. associating red with with the Republicans was almost, a, you know, some people have viewed that as an intentional gesture <laughs> because the Republicans were the anti-communists. All right. So you you can say colors are fine, but. <laughs> There's always something. I, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know where, you know. Well, especially as I think colors uh, could start getting associated with race as well. Um, and it could become problematic once again uh, there. So, um, yeah, so it's it's uh, an interesting world. Interesting times to be alive. Yeah, right? to be a sports fan. And uh, I, I'll tell you this. Uh, one entity that doesn't care at all about any of that is Barstool Sports. Um, and <laughs> this weekend, they had a amateur boxing. It's called Rough and Rowdy. But... Uh, they had Jose Canseco fight their intern guy named Billy Football, and I gotta say, uh, we we've touched on our, our future of boxing episode where we talked about is it going to turn into an amateur versus celebrity kind of sport or like what's you know what's becoming of this? Yeah. But I found that pretty entertaining. The whole the whole uh, how did it how did it turn out? I did not. Jose Canseco got KO'd in the first round by this intern who was like. Okay. Think a frat boy that played high school football, probably. Like he's pretty built and has been training to box okay. for a couple months. But Canseco came into the fight at 270 yeah. steroid infused pounds. Yes. And I'm going to guess that Canseco is what, early 60s? I don't know what age he is at this point, but okay. he's such a just, I've always <laughs> laughed when I hear his name. Like he's such a perfect guy to put in a boxing ring. Um, for this kind of thing, and uh, I think the winner got a hundred grand, so not the stakes of a Mayweather fight. Uh, but again, you got a Barstool Sports intern that won a hundred grand for one minute of bo- or less than a minute of boxing. Um, it's got to be pretty fun for him. But yeah, that was a funny like yeah. anti Super Bowl sporting event this weekend where it was like there's nothing really at stake. There's these aren't the two greatest in their sport. This is just <laughs> pure ridiculousness, and it sold how out. Did they, uh, and it. How did they sell? They sold it like basically a pay per view. They sold like I think streams. I didn't like pay. You know, I just saw the highlights or whatever because it was only like a well, how, forty minute or forty what, second what is fight. The, what is the date for that? Um, what was the nonsense? Log some someone Paul Logan versus, Paul or Jake Paul? Yeah, let me pull that yeah. up. Uh, because that was our next fake sort of fake fight well as you pull this up i'm gonna sort of our kind of our closing question like i said i i don't know about you i, I feel like we're we're coming to the end of you know at least the first episode of post-covid sports in terms of you know we've we've now gone through majors we've gone through seasons with all the major sports and so i think this is kind of a good break point so my, my next question is going to be as we kind of start to look towards the spring what are you looking? Uh, what are you looking forward to? Um, well, I hope we get March Madness this year because we are okay. The the reigning national champions in basketball are the Virginia Cavaliers with Kyle Guy and uh, and 
that guy, um, blanking on his first name, Jerome and DeAndre Hunter. I mean, that feels like ages ago, but that was our last Final Four. Uh, so I'm looking forward to some March Madness. I'm a big NBA guy, although I will say, I just this year's one of those years. I feel like, yeah, the Lakers are gonna win it. Like it's not that exciting to me, um, as it has been in years past. I don't think there's as much parity as there was maybe even last year. Even though the Lakers would go on to win it, I think it was more of a challenge. Um, so yeah, after that, man. I mean, I you know me. I'm not like a big baseball fan. So it's summer is usually tough for me. I'm going to miss having basketball in the summer. I think last summer having the NBA, I actually liked that <laughs> about about the uh the bubble league and and you know, pandemic sports or whatnot, but summertime's usually rough well, for me getting ready for football. I think that's a beautiful thing that the pandemic coming out of the pandemic, it sounds like to me that you're going to start to investigate and become a fan of the WNBA for a little summer basketball. Yeah. So gotta get, gotta what get that. was, what was the, uh, when's the, uh, next big boxing match? So I'm reading that Mayweather Logan Paul exhibition is on hold. So it's, okay. it's been postponed. <laughs> um, it was going to be February 20th. That's what we had initially okay. said a while back, but yeah, they've, they've delayed it. I don't know what that is, what's going on. Uh, I seriously doubt it has anything to actually do with COVID, but I also could almost bet money that they're saying it has to do with COVID. So we'll see. Well, and in terms of what I'm looking forward to here, um, we, we ended up in a, we end up in agreement today. I think college basketball is yeah, really an interesting story moving, moving forward after how last season ended and yeah. how this season has been kind of, little bit overshadowed and maybe you know that's a sport that really needs a live audience you got to have the students in the in the arena so i think that one will be really kind of fascinating to see how it yeah plays out i also think you know that that is a you know if we talk about our major sports leagues that's one that's been a little bit on decline over the years and overwhelmingly if we talk about brand equity or you know fandom being created in championships or the world series or the super bowl that that organization for that to work, the final four has to happen. Yeah. You know, Duke versus the, the, the upstart. It's just in like, I've always been a college, big college basketball guy as well. So that's, and it's funny when we talk about this, this is early February. So March sounds like just around the corner. It's just around the corner and I'll never take another March madness for granted. Um, I've always thought the opening couple days of March Madness should be a holiday where everyone's off work because I've been <laughs> in the in the workforce during that time and everyone's on their computer pretending to work but actually watching games on multiple screens. Um, so it's a beautiful time of year and I'm looking forward to it, hoping we get March Madness this year. But yes, this does conclude football season. No XFL this year. Um, I don't Ooh. know if because I know at some point there was going to be some college football in the spring this year, but I don't think there's any like D one or D two or D three or whatever that was. I'm not really sure. Don't keep up with that, but football's over in my books and uh, it's time for, for a real focus on basketball. And then the NFL draft. (laughs) 